Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. This morning we're going to be here in Philippians chapter number one. And if you're just joining with us, we have started a little journey going through the book of Philippians here, verse by verse, and uh, just really trying to understand what uh, Paul is teaching here uh, to these believers at Philippi. And if you remember, Paul here, as he is in prison, he's under house arrest. He's uh, been under house arrest for quite some time. He's chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, he's writing to these believers at Philippi, thanking them for a financial gift that they have given Paul. And it really encouraged him. And he tells them, you know, I'm so grateful that you have been with me from the beginning, even until now, which was probably about a period of about 10 years. And Paul says, you have been with me. You have been encouraging me. You've been strengthening me. And he goes on to tell them some things. So he prays for them for some things. He tells them, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me have really served for the advancement of the gospel, my circumstances that I found myself in. They're there for a purpose. And where we've been focusing in on here is uh, verses 19 uh, all the way down through verse number 26. And uh, last week we talked about what it means for me to live is Christ. What does that mean? Uh, does that resound with our life? Is that how we live our lives, that we live our lives for Christ? And Paul, as I said, I mentioned uh, last week, we we're going to kind of hone in on that a little bit more this week. But that phrase, for me to live is Christ. And we find Paul here uh, in these verses, he's sort of kind of in a dilemma. He has to choose and make a choice. Have you ever found yourself where you had to make a choice between things? It was kind of hard. Now, I don't think Paul was trying to choose between, well, you know, should I eat a uh, McDonald's Big Mac or a T-bone steak? Uh, he, he, was in a, he was in a dilemma here, and he had to choose. He was making a choice between for me to live in the flesh or to depart and be with Christ. And he actually says, it's far better for me to depart and be with Christ. But then you'll see as we're going to move down through this text, the reason why he sees how important it is for him to remain in the flesh. And hopefully some of these things, we look at them, they'll be an encouragement to you and a challenge to you. So today, what I'd like for you to take away with you is this. Christ has a purpose for my life to live for him. Every single person who names the name of Christ, if you've repented of sin and you've believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Christ has a purpose for your life, and that is for you to live for him. And that doesn't end at retirement age. That is for your whole life, for how many years God gives you to live upon this earth. And so Christ has a purpose for my life to live for him. So let's take a look here at our text again. First of all, know what it means to live is Christ. What does it mean to live is Christ? As we covered last week, uh, verse 21 is really the theme of this passage is what he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, Paul really saw himself no longer alive. 
Uh, remember, he said in Galatians, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And so uh, uh, Paul here, he, he, he left his past behind. Uh, everything that he accomplished in life, everything that Paul did in life was for Christ, and Christ was his passion in life. And as I said, we were going to revisit this theme in a little bit more detail but by understanding what Paul is saying here, uh, it's going to help us understand how he viewed the life that God gave him to live, that it had purpose, it had weight to it, it was something that he pursued after. And isn't that what we need to understand as well in life? I mean, what is my purpose in life? Is it to gain everything in this world? Is it to gain all the toys in this world? Is it to hold on to everything that this life has? It amazes me that people, uh, how much they want to hold on to this life. And so what do we do? We, we attach ourselves to so many things in life, tangible things, because we want to continue living in this life. Paul says, everything that I've done in life, all the achievements, everything that I've gained, he says, I count them as but dung so that I may win Christ. And so, uh, you know, what is our purpose? Is it to gain everything? Is it to cross things off of our bucket list? Is it to make a name for ourselves? Uh, Paul really gives us some understanding here of what it really means to live is Christ. Let's look specifically here at verses 21 through 24. Look what he says here. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So what does it mean to live as Christ? Well, it means living out the life that Christ lived here on this earth. Scripture is replete with several examples of this. Let's just take a look at a few of them. Uh, for example, in uh, John chapter uh, 13 through 17, we, we find ourselves at a, at a place here sitting in the upper room with the disciples. And uh, this uh, portion of Scripture here is known as the upper uh, room discourse. And these are like the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples as he's teaching them about what it really means to follow him. And he gives an example. He's washing the disciples' feet. He's telling them how he's going to betray, uh, be betrayed. He institutes what we know as the uh, Lord's Supper, or the Last Supper. And here in uh, John chapter 15, listen to what Jesus' words are here when he's telling his disciples what it means to walk as he walked, to live as he lived. John 15, verses uh, 18. Scripture says this, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Side note here. Sad note, but there are many churches that the world loves those churches because those churches are of the world. 
They don't stand for anything. They don't stand for Christ. They don't preach the gospel. And so the world loves them. He goes on to say here, remember the world, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And so Christ here is telling them, he says, listen, if you are going to be my disciple, guess what? If you're going to live as Christ lived, he says, you're going to experience the same things that I have experienced. Isn't that what Paul said? He said that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable even unto his death. So Paul's very clear. He says, for me to live is Christ. So what does that mean? I'm going to be acquainted with Christ in the world hating me because they do not know the Father. Also take a look at John chapter 16. Jesus gives us some other things here. He says, Chapter 16, verse number one, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Then jump on down to verse number 33 in John 16. Jesus says this, I have said these things to you that in, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So it seems that Jesus is pretty clear here. He says, look, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. And so if you're going to determine in your mind for me to live as Christ, expect difficulty, expect persecution, expect trouble, expect hardships, expect to be misunderstood, expect people to not like you, expect people to hate you. But that's what it means to walk as Christ walked, to live as Christ lived. So Jesus seems to be very clear here of what it means to live for Christ. He tells them to expect to be treated as he was treated. To live as one of my disciples is Christ. To experience what I did. Now, if that makes you cringe a little bit, if that makes you feel a little uneasy to know that, just listen to what Peter thought of what it means to live as Christ. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16, because we actually find something here interesting. When Jesus was sharing with his disciples of 
what all these things mean to be a follower of him. In Matthew chapter 16, we find Peter here in verse 21. Listen to what it says. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Isn't that interesting? Here the Lord is telling what's going to happen to him, and he's going to suffer. And here's Peter saying, Oh, Lord, no way. Uh-uh. It's not going to happen. Satan, get behind me. Can you imagine being called Satan by the Lord? It's pretty strong words. See, Peter didn't get it. Peter didn't understand what it really meant to be a follower of the Lord. But then I think something changed in Peter's life. Because later on, we find something interesting. Peter, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12, we read that Peter then understands what it really means to be a follower of the Lord, to suffer. Listen to how Peter's attitude has now changed as he says this in 1 Peter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And so Paul here really reiterates of what it means for me to live is Christ, to be sharing in his sufferings, to be walking with him, to be walking as Christ walked upon this earth. We find later on, you can look these up, you can just write them down, but you can look them up later on. In Romans 8, verse, uh, verses 18 through 25, Paul mentions that the sufferings are nothing to be compared to with the glory that will be revealed. He says these are just a, but a brief moment of affliction, and it's nothing compared to the weight and the glory of Christ that would be revealed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, Paul reminds us that we are always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. 
Paul says in Galatians 6, 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. In Colossians 1, verse 24, Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and I fill up for the sake of his body, the church, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And also in Philippians 3, 10, through verse number 11, Paul writes these words, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, being like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so we can see when Paul says to live is Christ, he means that he has the privilege of walking just as Christ did. He, like Christ, is committed to preaching the good news of the gospel. He, like Christ, gives up his life sacrificially in service to others. He, like his Lord, suffers persecution and rejection for exposing sin and the righteousness of God. And where do we find Paul's attitude in all of this? He is joyful. He says, I rejoice in all of this. I am so happy. I'm excited. Because in the midst of his suffering for Christ, he enters into a deeper level of intimacy with Christ. And boy, isn't that what the Christian life should be about? Us growing deeper in our intimacy with Jesus Christ, knowing him in a greater way. How do we get there? We have to be willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross, die to self, and follow Christ for me to live is Christ. And so for the Christian, joy is not the absence of suffering, but it is the nearness of God in our adversity. Listen to what James had to say about this in James chapter five, verses seven through 11. He says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Now listen to this. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Boy, how do we get to see how the Lord is compassionate and merciful? It's when we begin to walk as Christ walked, when we begin to experience what Christ experienced, and we see the compassion and the mercy that is poured out into our lives. And we grow into an ever deepening relationship with the Lord because he does not forsake us. And so this is how Paul viewed his life, even with all the hardships and difficulties for me to live as Christ. Now notice where all of this leads to, because remember Paul is in a dilemma here. He's saying, what should I choose for me to live as Christ, but to die as gain? And I know that if I were to leave, that would be far better for me. But I know if I remain in the flesh, it's actually going to be far better for you. So let's take a look here what Paul has to say here about all this. And this is the second thing. For your purpose in life, not only are you to live as Christ lived, but secondly, be a disciple 
and make disciples. Underlying these phrases that we find here in this passage of scripture, verse number 20, he says this, in my body, in my body, verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, verse 24, but to remain in the flesh, verse 25, I will remain and continue, verse 26, my coming to you again. And so Paul here is giving us the benefits of him actually staying in the flesh with these believers. Obviously, as we read through this, you see him kind of having this hard time, this dilemma here of what he's, he's facing this decision and it's either to stay in the flesh or to depart and to be with Christ. But notice what, what staying in the flesh meant for Paul and how it was to be used. This is his purpose. Look at this, verse 22. Fruitful labor for me, verse 24, is more necessary on your account. Verse 25, continue with you all. Verse 26, my coming to you again. You see it there? You see how Paul says, it's, it's good for me to remain in the flesh because it's going to help you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to encourage you. When Paul considered the richness of going to be with Christ and how it was far better than living, he still felt compelled to stay and be with the Philippians and other churches for their spiritual progress. And so, Notice what Paul says here, because he, he says this. He, he says, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. But my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary. And so he's convinced of this. He knows by remaining in the flesh, it's gonna help them. It's gonna encourage them and strengthen them. And so Paul was convinced that God would have him stay in the flesh and minister to these believers at uh, Philippi. But why does Paul wanna stay for these believers at Philippi? Look at verse number 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all why? For your progress and joy in the faith. He says he wants to stay for their progress and joy. The word progress is the same word that we found earlier in Philippians when Paul is praying and he's talking about the advancement of the gospel. Remember, it's a military term. It's the whole idea that, that, the, that there's people that go forward to clear the way. And he says, all of this is to be used for the progress, your progress and joy in the faith. It's a pioneer advance. And so Paul wanted this church to advance in areas of spirituality that they had never been before. And again, isn't that what the Christian life is about? We don't just get saved to sit, to soak and to sour. What are we supposed to be doing? To be advancing in our spirituality, to be moving forward, not just staying in one place, remaining idle. And Paul says, it is for your progress and your joy. As Paul says, I'm gonna be a disciple maker. I'm gonna encourage you. I'm gonna strengthen you so that you would grow spiritually in your faith walk. He wanted them to grow ultimately so that others would follow along the same path. Remember the prayer that he prayed in verses nine through 11? Remember all that? 
This is, this is him telling, this is what it's all for. He says, I want to encourage you and strengthen you in that. And this should be our purpose as well as we live for Christ. You see, while Christ was on earth, he discipled others. To really live for him means to do the same. Consider what Paul had to say about this in, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others also. So here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, here I am, here's Paul. And he goes to Timothy and he says, all right, Timothy, I'm going to teach you and I'm giving you and I'm teaching you and I want you to, lo to learn and to grow and to be strengthened. And he says, now, Timothy, I've given you all of these things so that you can go now to others and teach them the same things. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is not necessarily just sitting around reading a book every single week. Discipleship is sharing life together. It is growing together spiritually. It is strengthening one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another in the faith. For what? For their progress and joy to boldly go where no man has ever gone before. Right? No. It's the idea of growing in Christ. That's what all of us are supposed to be doing. That's what Jesus commanded, right? Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. These things I have commanded you to do, and lo, I am with you always. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be disciple makers. We're supposed to be discipling other people. And that's something that all of us can do to strengthen one another and encourage one another. So are you willing to be available to be available to others, to live with them, to encourage them, to share life experiences with them, to help them in their spiritual progress? That is what to live as Christ means. Like Christ, Paul spent his life discipling others and helping them progress in the faith. You read as uh, Paul talks about, I think it's over there in uh, 1 Thessalonians. He says, not only did I share the gospel with you, but I shared my life with you. Paul says, I'm willing to be spent and be spent for others, to be spent, to spend and to be spent for others. In other words, my life is nothing. I'm just gonna be, allow my life to be used for the sake of others. And not only does Paul say he would stay for their progress in their faith, but look at this. He says, for their joy in the faith. He wanted them to have joy in the Lord. There's some interesting things that we learn about this church at Philippi because he wants them to have joy. In fact, we find uh, that this uh, church, really, um, it was being persecuted Listen to what Philippians 1.27 has to say, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We find that this church even had false teachers in Philippians chapter three, verse number two. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. We also find this church even had division in Philippians chapter four, verse number two. 
He says, I entreat Udiah and I entreat Synthache to agree in the Lord. Here's two women that were just not getting along. They're having division in the church. So Paul says, I am doing all of this for your joy so that you might be strengthened. The Christian life is hard and there are constant threats to the believer's joy in life. And so that's why we need to be discipled. We need to be encouraged. All of us do. How many of you have lost your joy this week? We need it. That's why it's important that we live together as believers, that we strengthen one another, we disciple one another. Paul himself declared in uh, Philippians 4.11 that he had learned how to be content in every circumstance and he even commanded this church to rejoice in the Lord always, as he said in Philippians 4.4. And so not only should we take from Paul's example our need to disciple others, but also to be discipled. All of us need to be discipled. I do. I have men in my life that pour into my life. And these are not men that are in some distant, far state somewhere that I talk on the telephone. These are men that are local. All of us need that. I need that. One of the things that we have here in this church is that this church is led by elders. In other words, we have plurality of eldership. There's not one of us that is greater than the other. All of us men are here collectively And those men pour into my life. There are things that I may say to them that might help them. But all of us need to be discipled. So who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Who's the one that is discipling you? Who are you discipling in your life? How are you strengthening and encouraging the other believers in this local congregation? In order to really live for Christ, we must allow our bodies, our lives to be used for Christ in discipleship. Christ discipled others and so must we if we are gonna be following him. For me to live is Christ. And so Paul's whole thing here was the fact that it was his passion to see these people grow. You know, there's nothing greater that gives me passion in my life to see a believer get it and say, I get it. I can recall over the the years that I've been here of hearing of different believers. uh, I mean, I can recall several ones that say things like, you know, I've determined that this year I am going to get in the scripture and I'm going to read it. Or when I hear how scripture is changing somebody's life, how they're submitting to the Lordship of Christ, they're renouncing sin, and they're wanting to walk in those footsteps of Christ, that encourages me, that strengthens me. And that should be our passion to see other believers grow in Christ. And so since you and I are living in the flesh, are we pursuing to living as Christ and desiring to see others grow and progress in their Christian walk? Are you walking as Christ walked? For me to live is Christ. Is that your desire? Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.